Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to talk about our membership program. Uh, we recently broke a pretty big milestone. We have over 100 startups and small businesses on the platform offering up to 50% off all their product and gear. If you're like me and you're always looking for a new uh, backpack or new gear for your addictions, whether it's skiing, snowboarding, camping, surfing, whatever it is related to the outdoors, you can hop onto this membership and peruse all of the brands. We're constantly adding new ones um, to really support all of your outdoor activities. We also have a number of travel companies. So if you're looking to take a trip, whether it's to Machu Picchu, South America, wherever, um, you can save on that as well. We also have a number of food brands, whether you need a new energy bar or you just need to, f- you want to find something uh, that's different and check it out. You can f- save while doing it. Um, you can also apply to become an ambassador for a lot of these brands. There's a ton of perks. So if you are interested in checking this out, head over to readyeddy.com slash members and get your first month free. What is going on, Ready Eddie Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I am sitting down with the marketing VP of Farm to Feet, David Petrie. David, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Oh, you're welcome. Happy to be here. Definitely. So this is going to be a, a more unique episode, uh, considering the dynamic uh, and organization of uh, Farm to Feet and its association with uh, Nestor Hosiery. So I'd love for you to um, take a second to really explain exactly what uh, Farm to Feet it, uh, is and how um, you guys have come into existence. Sure. So I think it's easy to start with uh, our parent company, Nestor Hosiery. Nestor Hosiery is a sock manufacturer located in Mount Airy, North Carolina. Uh, we've been in business. We're, uh, we're now in, uh, in our 25th year of, of operation. Uh, we were started by a gentleman named Marty Nestor, who uh, had basically grew up in making socks from a young man. And uh, uh, in the early 90s, he decided he wanted to kind of start his own sock making company. And he did that and, uh, and, and grew it into uh, really a niche market. He wanted it to be um, a, a kind of focus on outdoor performance socks and, and primarily using wool as the, as the body yarn, as, as the performance yarn. Um, and so that really kind of set us up to be a kind of a premier manufacturing in the outdoor space. And when we, in our early days, we basically did, you know, private label manufacturing for other, you know, retailers and brands who you know, had, you know, hired manufacturers to make their products. And that kind of grew uh, through the 1990s and into the 2000s. Uh, we brought in more customers, more private label retailer, more private label um, brands. Uh, we also did some licensing where we licensed brands. Um, and in the late 2000, you know, around 2010, we, uh, we started thinking about, you know, this idea of could we create our own brand, recognizing there's already a lot of soft brands out of there, but we, we felt we had a really unique opportunity as an actual manufacturer of socks who know with, with, the, with the talent and the, the capability to make great socks. Uh, we thought maybe we should try to look at what we could bring to the market. And about that time, the, um, 
the opportunity for taking U.S. grown wool, merino wool, that's that's um, raised on on ranches throughout the country, mostly in the in the western part of the country, Rocky Mountain region. Um, typically, what goes to would go to a, a place in Jamestown, South Carolina, called uh, Chargeur's Wool, which is a processing place. It turns the wool from greasy wool into clean wool, top for spinning. Um, Prior to about 2010, uh, any wool that had to be used for you know applications like socks would be have to sent overseas to be shrink treated and then brought back into the country. Well, around 2010, Chargeurs you know installed a shrink or superwash system that allowed for shrink treating of, of U.S. grown wool, and 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 that really kickstarted this idea that we could create a sock brand. Uh, that was completely sourced in the United States. That means the wool, completely uh, U.S. grown, U.S. processed, U.S. spun, uh, as well as the other component yarns, the nylons, the elastics that go into into the um, into the socks. And we we felt that the the brand identity be, would be around this concept of telling a story. About that same time, we've been growing as a as a sustainable manufacturer and working with a lot of our other partners in becoming a more uh, environmentally uh, focused uh, manufacturing company and one of those key elements of sustainability is this ability to be transparent with your supply chain and and be able to tell where your your products uh, raw material inputs come from and it got us thinking about well the brand could be this story about the socks being you know from the source of the, the yarns the you know in this case perhaps wool all the way to the, the to the consumer and uh, we were working around with some ideas and someone came up and you know, like we're talking kind of like farm to table, you mean farm to feet. And that's kind of where the name came from. But it turned out to be really apropos because our founder, Marty Nestor, he uh, he really, his family has roots in farming in the uh, Mount Airy, North Carolina region. Uh, and uh, and so he really, he started out as a young man as a farmer working at the knitting mills uh, as a second job. And so he literally went uh, from the farm to feet as well. And so it kind of had a secondary meaning um, and so we went with the name and uh, we launched the products in 2013 with this whole idea of uh, our socks being 100% American, uh, everything in the socks uh, being sourced and manufactured here in the United States. Well, that's really interesting. and it, 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 I love the fact that um, you guys can have control of literally the entire process of manufacturing to now selling and everything. So you have great control over keeping the the quality and the just manufacturing process is the most sustainable um, possible. So, okay, so you guys launched in 2013. Um, how did you guys kick things off with the brand? Did you go direct to uh, retail shops? Did you sell mostly online? How did you really build the business? Well, we, we, uh, uh, we felt that it was very important uh, as a brand uh, and already having done some work uh, as a license, you know, selling licensed brands, working with retailers, we really felt it was important that as we were going to come into um, into the market, we needed to make sure we were establishing really good relationships with with uh, you know out, uh, outdoor specialty retailers, uh, and so that was our initial our initial thought. And to do that, we we uh, we soft launched at outdoor retailer in Salt Lake City in January of 2013. It was more conceptual. Uh, we didn't even have a really branding done yet. Um, and basically, we wanted to test the idea, brought in some media, brought in some potential retailers to kind of propose the idea and see how it how it you know kind of clicked. And the media loved it, and uh, and 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 several of our our retail retailers that we were already had good relationships with, they they thought the idea was was brilliant as well. And so we went further along, developed the brand identity branding uh, that you see today, 
and then and then really fully uh, um, went uh, out at you know summer retailer outdoor retailer in uh, summer of 2013 and started shipping product to our initial uh, with our initial orders in in the fall of 2013 and then right after that we we started a very kind of basic online uh, shopping because we realized that we had only shipped to a handful of retailers nationwide at the end of 2013 we were in about 40 retailer doors. Uh, yet we were getting some national press and uh, press and people were coming to our website wanting to know where they could buy our products. And so we started selling online. But our primary focus has has been to really develop relationships with retailers so that uh, they can help us grow the business. They can help us grow the, uh, the the connection to their local their local customers. So in 2013, you you, you grew to uh, being in about 40 retailers. What, what has the growth been like since then? So since then, um, it, it kind of has been exponential. We've seen double-digit percentage growth year after year. Um, you know, on the average, doubling our our, our business every year uh, into 2018, and we uh, we ended 2017 uh, at about a little, maybe a little bit over a thousand uh, retail doors um, in the U.S. and Canada. Um, as well as several online channels, um, including our own direct-to-consumer channel, uh, and so so it has definitely grown rapidly. Uh, we have we have more than uh, you know doubled each year the amount of socks we are we are selling, and uh, and we're we're poised to see similar uh, double-digit growth this year uh, as we continue to expand in larger uh, retailers like REI and uh, and other uh, independent shops throughout the country. Now, is there anything in particular that you would attribute that growth to? Well, a couple things I would attribute it to. One is there is definitely a desire um, amongst consumers for, for a couple things. One is you're seeing more and more consumers wanting to know where their products are made, how they're made, what's in their products. And Farm to Feet really, really does a very good job of articulating that story, uh, making sure that we can tell you that, you know, we, can, we can't say that your sock has wool from Ranch X, but we, we, we can guarantee you that the wool that is in your sock was, was grown on a ranch in the United States. And we, we are very, we're very much in tune with making sure that we're, we're maintaining that American source materials. Uh, so, and then the other part of that is the American sword, American made, you know, I mean, obviously there is a, there's a tendency, uh, uh, for, for people to want to buy more things made in the country. And you're seeing a lot of onshoring of, of apparel and, and other types of things, uh, that, uh, you know, making us realize that we can still make things here in the United States. And I think that appeals to a lot of people, especially when they think that, um, you know, a lot of, of things have just gone overseas never to come back. And I think I think that one of the one of the the paradigms that we're struggling with is the, the shift of things overseas or uh, offshore is probably predominant with things that are more commodity oriented. But when you start getting into niche products or products that are performance based or products that have a very specific use, that's where you're going to see uh, you know more specialization, more more technical attributes. And I think. That is also a reason why people are, are, are looking at farm to feed because, A, we're a manufacturer. We make the socks ourselves. We know what we're doing. And, and B, we can articulate how the sock is going to perform on your foot. And we guarantee it with 100% lifetime guarantee. Now, obviously, a big piece of uh, a farm to feed is the sustainability aspect. So what is it that you guys do um, 
I guess, differently or that you hold a priority to that really allows you to keep sustainability um, top of mind when making these socks? Well, I, I would say at Nestler Hosiery, um, sustainability is, is part of our DNA and how we, we run or operate our manufacturing uh, business. Uh, so, you know, we're not perfect. We'll be the first to tell you that. And I don't think anyone who's serious in the sustainability sp- in, in, in performing in sus- sustainability is going to tell you that they're, they're doing it absolutely correct. Um, there's, you know, the, 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 one of the things about sustainability, uh, like quality, it's an ongoing, continually improving process. And so the things that we do, uh, today, we're going to learn from and we'll improve upon tomorrow. And, and where we were, you know, a few years ago, we're, we're definitely ahead today. So one of the things, you know, we're proud of today is we are a blue sign systems partner. And, and for your, your listeners, blue sign, uh, you can look, you can Google them on online. Blue Sign is a a certification process that that certifies essentially a supply chain, uh, and it's primarily used in apparel and textiles. But it allows uh, you know when you're a manufacturer, you're a Blue Sign system partner. You're basically you know you basically are, are being told that you are able to make Blue Sign certified products. Now it still is dependent on making sure you have the right the right source of materials to be able to do that. And, and wool is, has always been a problematic thing in that, in that arena. Uh, and we're working through some of those, some of those concerns, but, but the bottom line is that we are always looking at ways to, to bring tools and resources into Esther Hosiery that allows us to do things better uh, with sustainability as one of the top you know, criteria as well as quality. Another tool we use is a Sustainable Apparel Coalition's Hig Index. Uh, we were very much um, involved in the development of that back in uh, in 2010 through 2012, before it kind of initially launched. Uh, we were we were involved in in, um, in kind of coming up with some of the system or uh, uh, the the checklist, if you will, to to uh, for businesses to use to uh, evaluate themselves, as well as pilot testing those tools. And so we've been, we were one of the, probably the first U.S. manufacturers to actually use and report our results into the database for benchmarking and things like that. That's so interesting. Now, I, I want to ask a, a question um, about the overall culture and organization of Farm to Feed, obviously, with its association um, with your parent company. Um, you know, we're talking offline. You said there's probably about 12 of you that are directly working on um, Farm to Feed, but... Nestor Hosiery has about 180 or so people in the organization. So what, what, what does the dynamic look like and how, do, how does a normal um, sort of day um, operate for you guys? So, uh, you know, we uh, first and foremost, most, we are Nestor Hosiery. And, and Farm to Feet is, you know, we, we, we essentially have, you know, if you really want to look at it from a big picture standpoint, we have three businesses that we run. We run our manufacturing business where we make socks for other companies, other brands, other private label retail. We have, we're a licensing business where we license brand names and we manufacture and sell uh, socks under those brand names. And then we are also farm to feed. So in my role as the marketing VP, I not only have a, a, a role to play in making sure that we manage the brand of farm to feed and, and market uh, farm to feed in, in, the, in, the, in the consumer space as well as in the trade space to get retailers to carry us, um, but I also have to focus on business development and how we grow our, our manufacturing and licensing business. 
So, you know, day in and day out, my day is going to be uh, some farm to feed, and it just you know, vary day in, in each day depending on what the priorities are. And uh, and the same is for the majority of the, the people at, at Nestor Hosiery. Everyone at Nestor Hosiery is super proud and super excited that they know they're involved in making this great brand. Um, and they, they tell their friends, they tell their family. We, uh, you know, our whole community is super proud of us and super excited for us. We have, you know, when they go out and they see our, our, our products in the store, they, they take great pride in knowing that they, they had a part of that. Um, and, and so uh, I would say the culture there is obviously our, uh, is we're focused on doing the best we can as a manufacturing co- company to service all our customers and making sure they're getting the best uh, that we can provide them. Uh, and part of that is making sure Farm to Feed is, is getting that same attention. What would you say has been one of the hardest parts about getting Farm to Feed off the ground? Well, I think, you know, with any new brand, um, and I'm sure, you know, some of the other brands that are um, on your site uh, are probably experiencing, especially when you're bringing something to the marketplace that is is probably uh, readily available. There's other other substitutes for it. Um, you know, obviously, socks are, are, are plentiful in, in uh, the marketplace. Um, and so, you know, I think the biggest challenge we had was just getting people to be willing to take a chance and put us on the on the peg uh, in their store. And I think, you know, the the end result is when they do that and they see their customers responding to this new um, this new product. And then when they put the you know when they put the socks on their feet and they see how comfortable they are and how how durable they are and how well they last and and uh, the great designs and the great performance characteristics. Uh, you end up having repeat customers coming back and, uh, for to buy more, and when they see start seeing that sell through, it just becomes easier and easier and easier uh, to to get those you know you know follow on orders. And then as you continue to grow, it becomes a little bit easier and easier to to um, convince retailers to want to bring you on board. Uh, obviously, the the newness uh, we're we, you know we're relatively new compared to some of the other brands. Uh, leading brands that have been out there. So that, I think that helps us in some ways. Uh, it can be a deterrence, but it can also help us in some ways because sometimes people are looking for something new and different. That's definitely true. Now, along this journey, since you guys launched Farm to Feet, um, do you have any fears in regards to the business? Um, you know, I think any, any businessman is going to tell you that they, they have fears. Uh, you know, things can change. Um, obviously, uh, you know, one of the things, you know, I mentioned we have we have retailers in Canada and uh, not to bring politics into this, but uh, but, you know, with recent current events, you know, we, we are taking a uh, we're looking closely at what's happening with with trade uh, as it's being managed uh, by our country with other countries that we uh, we we have trade relationships with. And so, you know, there is concerns and how that might not only impact our business, but our industry in, in many ways. Uh, so, uh, I, we're looking at that, uh, and keeping an eye on that. Um, and then I think, you know, one of the other, you know, other concerns you have is, is making sure you stay relevant. You know, you, you know, you have to continually be innovating. You have to continually be bringing product, um, uh, to, to the market that people are going to be interested in. And it's always a, it's always a, you know, an interesting balance because when you make a really good product and bring it and introduce it to the market and people love it. You know, they're going to want to keep buying it or want to keep, you know, having that. 
Um, you can't just rest your laurels on that. You're going to have to continually come up with ways to, to create new ideas or find new needs in the market um, and, and figure out ways to address those. And so we're constantly looking at that. Uh, you know, in the lifestyle socks, the socks you wear, you know, you're kind of your more fashion casual socks. Uh, we always we're constantly you know thinking about what are the current trends and colors and designs and making sure we're trying to be fashion forward with that uh, and making sure on on you know technical performance socks like our uh, technical hiking series the Damascus and uh, other other uh, socks in that in that platform you know making sure that we're continually looking at uh, ways to make that a better product and uh, looking at ways to introduce. Uh, that that same foot platform, but with different with different um, uh, aesthetics and different looks and feels to it. Definitely. Now, um, what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that you guys um, have cre- have gone through um, since you guys started? Well, I you know the biggest mistakes. Um, that's a hard one. I think you know. One of the things any business is going to have to do is you're going to make, obviously you're going to make mistakes and you're going to learn from them and, and move on and not dwell on them. And so I would say that, you know, the mistakes we've made, I, I haven't really dwelled on them, but I would say, you know, one of the, I, one of the mistakes we made early on was when we, we launched and we, and we started getting a little national uh, press uh, not having the ability to buy socks online. And, and although that there's always a, going to be a channel conflict you know, retailers are not going to don't don't necessarily like having the brand selling direct to consumer. But in today's day and age, you have to have an omni-channel presence to to be able to to um, uh, reach the entire marketplace. And, and and it's a balance. And the key to that the key to that balance is making sure you're not trying to undersell or, or sell your products at a discount to uh, to compete with your with your brick and mortar retailers. You want to make sure that you're you're operating the same fair uh, fair marketplace and allowing them to have the same equal access to cons- the consumers that you have. So I think that was one of the early mistakes was just not making our, ourselves available and and kind of and that kind of helped us kind of push some sales through because we we're getting people who heard of us but didn't have a local retailer and we, we were now the um, available to them because of that. Uh, we've made some mistakes in introducing products that we probably. Um, uh, should have, you know, should have, uh, you know, waited on or, or, you know, uh, realized that, uh, the, the, the market wasn't there or was already saturated. But, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I don't dwell on that. Um, everything we do, we, we, uh, we, we do with purpose. Uh, and I don't really want to kind of call out any one thing as a, as a, as a, as a mistake. I, I really consider them all learning experiences. Yeah, that they are. As long as you don't do it twice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, now what, what advice would you give to someone that, uh, wanted to either start a business in the outdoor space or, or really just a, some kind of manufacturing business? The advice I would give them is, I, I think the best advice I could give anyone is make sure you have a solid plan in place. Um, you, if you don't have something written down, something that you can always point to as as your north star, as this is what we're we're trying to do. Now, not that that doesn't won't have um, times to be changed, but if you try to go into anything with without some something that you can point to and say this is what we're trying to accomplish, you're going to find yourself going all over the place. And and I and I think you know with far to feet. 
we had we had an idea uh, that we wanted to go after, and we, we really focused on that. And allow you know with this whole idea of, of making a one hundred percent American made sock, we focused on that. Uh, and th- and along the way, we've refined and, and we've refined that, and and we're really focused now in in really targeting things in the trail and snow space. But I think if you're going to go into the outdoor retail space, you really need to understand what it is you're trying to accomplish, who your customer is, and really never lose sight of that. Don't try to, you know, don't don't try to like, oh, what about this customer or what about this? Focus on what you intended to do first, get really good at it, execute it, and then evaluate and, and, and adjust accordingly. I think that's really great advice. Um where, where do you see Farm to Feet going in the next year, five years, ten years down the road? Um, well, if I had the perfect crystal ball, I would, I would tell you exactly where we'd be. But um, <laughs> I, I, our, our vision is, you know, we, uh, we just went through some uh, brand re, uh, refresh, and uh, we just reinitiated our, our, um, our uh, new mission statement, new vision statement. Our new mission statement is celebrating the manufacturing tradition. Farm to Feet makes the world's best socks for everyone to follow their own trail. And, and with that mission uh, comes a vision that we are committed to making the, the world's best American-made socks. We're committed to uh, you know, improving and, and making the outdoor recreation experience better for all and then to advocate for the protection of wild places, places in the wild, outdoor spaces. Um, and so I think, you know, our hope is that we're going to, you know, continue to grow our brand in, in selling product, but also become a, a force for change to make sure that our public lands are protected, that we have places to go out and recreate and play. And with that, we're going to focus very heavily on, uh, on, on really trying to excel in making products that that will will perform well in the trail and snow space, whether that's hiking, trail running, uh, snowshoeing, alpine skiing, Nordic skiing, we're going to be focusing on those kind of categories to to really make the best products there, while still also offering the best everyday product and still also offering other products in our line. But we've made a commitment that we're going to really focus on that trail and snow space. So our our vision is. You know, one year from now, we're, we're making, we're seeing the needle move in our our positioning in the market, uh, especially in outdoor specialty and chain specialty. And five to ten years from now, that we are we are uh, on equal on par with the other leading brands that are in the space, and we're and we're on on track to to get there. That's really exciting. Now, I want to take a quick little pivot just to ask um, you know questions more about um, you and your background. Um, did you? always know that you wanted to get into manufacturing? Um, were you always an outdoor enthusiast? Did this sort of just um, make a natural progression for you in your life? Well, you know what? Um, uh, we, should, we should have had a, a pre-interview on that. You're, 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 my, my story, uh, not to quote Dr. Evil, is inconsequential. But, uh, uh, but uh, quite honestly, uh, when I started my career, and I, I'm, I'm on my 30th year out of college, my undergraduate degree was in aerospace engineering with, with a, a vision of becoming an astronaut. And I joined the Navy uh, and served in the Navy for uh, on active duty for 11 years as a nuclear engineer serving on two different aircraft carriers as well as some other ships. And, and uh, left active duty in, around the turn of the century, joined the reserves, and worked in the defense industry. 
uh, as a systems engineer. And eventually made my way to North Carolina uh, with my, my family um, uh, due to my wife's job. She, uh, and when we moved here, I, I decided to go back to school and get my MBA um, and focus on marketing. And so that's kind of where I made that, that decision to kind of transition out of being an engineer uh, into being more of a business person uh, with an em- emphasis on marketing. At the same time, I also had a very strong affinity for sustainability and environmentalism. And uh, around nine years ago, Nestor Hosiery reached out to me. I was, I was working at another company, and Nestor Hosiery uh, reached out to me and said, you know, we want to start this, you know, we want to create a position that focuses on sustainability in our company. And uh, we, we would like for you to come on board and create that position with us. And so I joined Nestor Hosiery about nine years, almost nine years ago, and with, uh, with my first job being uh, the sustainability director. And that, uh, that's when I realized, you know, when I joined Nestor Hosiery, got involved in, at Outdoor Retailer, at Outdoor Industry Association, and started working with these great products that we make, is when I realized that I've always had this passion for the outdoors. I've always liked being outdoors. I you know, grew up with my dad going hunting. We always went camping as a family. I went hiking with the Boy Scouts. So, you know, I um, always enjoyed being outside, and I'm, a, I'm an avid cyclist. And, um, and so I really realized that I, I, I found the home that I probably was looking for many, many years ago, uh, but it just took me a long time to get there. And, um, you know, kind of pleased at where my career has ended up as a, as a marketing person in the outdoor space, uh, you know, working in a, a, a U.S. manufacturing company, making a great product. Um, and, and I think, you know, one couldn't really ask for anything better than to be able to say at the end of the day, that your job is is not only you know promoting a great product, uh, it's promoting a great company, it's promoting it's it's it's, it's making uh, the ability for for not only the 180 people that work at your company to have jobs, but all the people in our supply chain, um, you know, that we support their their companies as well. So it's really fulfilling to know that I'm part of that that story. Yeah, no, that's incredible. And you know, first and foremost, I want to thank you for your service. Um, you know, in the military, I know that. Um, it's quite a sacrifice, especially doing active service. Like I have the utmost respect <laughs> for anyone um, who served in the military in any capacity. Um, so I, w- I want to first thank you for that. And, you know, it's crazy um, how life sort of takes you through this journey and how things change and where you sort of end up, you know. It's, uh, it's kind of a, a, a roller coaster ride, um, to say the least. And, um, you know, I want to end with the question, you know, asking you, and you, you, you've answered this in a sense, but, uh, um, you know, what is the best part about being uh, involved with Nestor Hosiery and really helping to start um, Farm to Feed? I would say the best part, and, and for me anyways, is growing up, my dad was a, um, was a blue-collar worker, he was a pipe fitter, um, always talked about buying made in America, always talked about American um, made, you know, made, products made in America and buying American. And when I was able to tell him before, he, you know, and he passed away a couple of years ago, but when I, I was able to tell him um, when we were launching Far to Feed about what we were doing um, and seeing the sense of pride in his eyes, knowing that, you know, that I was going to work, that I was working for a company that was, that was, supporting American jobs that was creating a product made in America. I think at that point was probably the, the most rewarding for me. Uh, in, in, in addition to, you know, all the other things with the job, but, but having that, uh, having that almost 
uh, almost, I don't know what the right word to look for, but his pride in, in that and the way he would tell people about what I did, um, you know, obviously he was very proud when I was in the military, very proud of all my other jobs and stuff like that and was always happy to tell people about it. But, but when I did this and he was able to show people, you know, give people a pair of socks and, and, and tell that story and, and, and talk about, you know, this was made in America. You know, when I, when I heard him tell me about those, those times that he was doing that, uh, that was, that was so, uh, so rewarding for me and, and made me feel so, uh, so happy. I bet. I bet. Um, now for anyone listening, um, between, uh, July 10th and August 7th, you can actually head over to readyeddy.com, uh, for a chance to win, uh, a couple pairs of socks from Farm to Feed along with, uh, gear from a ton of other startups and small businesses in the outdoor space. Um, and with that, Dave, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast and share your story and your involvement with the creation um of farm to feet now for anyone that wants to keep tabs on all the things that you guys have going on uh going forward where's the best place for them to do that um i farm to feet.com and uh and then uh sign up for our newsletter sign up uh, you know, follow us on facebook uh at farm to feet and follow us on instagram uh we're going through uh, we're going through a, a process of 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 ramp, you know, are revamping a lot of our digital media, uh, this summer. And so, uh, you will be able to keep up to speed with what we're doing, uh, when we launch new, new products, uh, each season, uh, by following us on uh, our social media and, and signing up for a newsletter. Awesome. And we'll link all that up in the show notes for anyone listening who wants to check that out. And with that, Dave, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. No problem. My pleasure. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddy Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.